Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode 59, Helpful Turkey Hunting Websites. And I am your host, and on this Thanksgiving day, I'm thankful for you guys out there listening to the show who are as passionate and obsessed with turkey hunting and wild turkeys as I am. We are 111 days, 8 hours, 25 minutes, and 17 seconds away from opening day of turkey season in Alabama. I do want to wish all of you guys a very happy Thanksgiving. I hope that you're able to enjoy this holiday with your family and have some downtime. And if it's hunting season in your area, I hope that you're able to get out and go hunting as well. Spend some family time in the woods hunting with people you love. So, you know, last week I ended the show and I told you that I was going to have a deer hunting story for you this week. Because our gun season in Alabama opened Saturday morning. Well, I do have a deer hunting story for you. And I'm going to share that with you because, quite honestly, I think it's pretty entertaining. So Saturday morning, I went out to my stand, and where I was hunting, actually I was not in a stand, quote unquote. I was sitting on the ground on a creek that runs through our hunting property. This creek is one of my favorite places in the world to go sit. The banks of the creek are about 15 to some places 20 feet from the water level, from the bottom of the creek. The creek bed itself is white sand. If you've ever been to the Gulf of Mexico in Alabama or in Florida, and you know how white those beaches are, that is what the creek bed for this creek looks like. And so I love sitting there, first of all, because I love water. It's very calming and soothing to me, and I can sit there on that creek and just watch stuff float by in the creek, leaves, branches, whatever it happens to be. But another reason why I love hunting on this creek is that there is no telling what you're going to see there. We don't have very many bald eagles in South Alabama, but I was sitting there a couple of years ago and had a bald eagle fly right down the creek and fly past me. We see coyotes, bobcats, of course deer. We see turkeys out there, beavers, alligators. I mean, it just you just don't know what you're going to see on this creek when you go out there to hunt. So Saturday I'm sitting there. As soon as I sit down, 
I look up and about 175 yards to the south of me, there are two deer crossing the creek. Well, we'd gotten about three inches of rain last week and the water level of the creek was high. All I could see of these deer as they were crossing the creek was their heads. As they got to the other side of the creek and got to the bank, they got up out of the water, they shook to get the water off of them, and I let them walk on up the bank because they'd actually crossed the creek and were on the neighbor's property. There was no way I was even going to attempt to shoot them, so I let them go, and I sat there a little while longer, enjoying the day. It was sunny, there was very little wind, and it was just a great day to be outside in the woods. The temperature was in the upper 40s to low 50s, and it was just a wonderful day to be outside. So about an hour later, I turn and I look behind me to the north, and I see a deer on the creek bank. Well, this deer is on our property. So I swing around, I get my gun up, and I'm looking at the deer through the scope, because if it's a doe, I'm shooting. I've already identified it as a deer. I'm comfortable looking through the scope to identify it and not using my binoculars. And I look, and it's a spike, and it's a very young spike, so I'm passing on that spike. So I look to make sure there's no other deer with the spike, and the spike climbs on up the creek bank and wanders off. And I turn back, and I look to my south, and I don't see anything. So I look straight ahead, and I see some movement just right down the bank from me, about 20 yards. And I thought, well, that's a raccoon. And so I'm looking in the area trying to figure out what that was. And next thing I know, here comes a river otter right up on the creek bank. And the river otter stops about 10 yards from me, puts his nose up in there and is sniffing all around. Obviously, I didn't smell good enough for river otter. So he turned around and went, jumped back in the water and was gone. I saw several wood ducks and I ended up seeing three more deer cross the creek to my south. And all I could see was their heads coming across the creek. And of course, when they came up out of the water, they were on the neighbor's property. So they live another day. But I had just a great hunt, even though I didn't squeeze the trigger. It was just really a great hunt. I get back to the camp and my dad's cleaning a doe that he had shot. And I walk up. That's the first time I'd seen him in little bit more than a week. So I walk up, give him a hug, tell him hello. He says, would you see anything? I said, yes, sir. I saw six. And he turns around, he looks at me and he says, you didn't shoot? And I said, no, sir. And he said, what's wrong? Is your gun jammed? And I thought that was pretty funny. It's about typical of my dad. My dad has never met a deer that he liked enough to let go. He acts like he's never killed a deer. He's as passionate about deer hunting as I am about turkey hunting. If you told him that he could not deer hunt anymore, you may as well just put him out of his misery because that's what he's going to be in. So for him, he knows me well enough that if I see six deer and I don't shoot, something's wrong. So I told him I didn't really have an opportunity to shoot anything. All the deer were on the neighbor's property. And So Saturday afternoon, I decided I was going to go hunt a new piece of property that our club picked up and is leasing this year. This new property is about 160 acres or so, and it's about 20 to 25 minutes from our hunting camp. So one of the members of the club, Ham, decided that he wanted to go hunt this piece of property with me. Now, no one in our club has hunted this property before. I've seen it and have walked some of it, but I've never hunted it, and it looks fairly promising. Again, it's not a huge tract of land, but there's not a whole lot of woods around it. And this 160 acres has trees on it, so it's bound to have deer on it. Well, I dropped Ham off on the road that goes to the green field or food plot that he was going to hunt. And I went to the other side of the property. As I pull into the gate 
of the property. I drive past some parked logging equipment to get to the food plot that I'm going to hunt. The loggers are thinning some planted pines on the north part of the property. I'm going to lay this property out for you. Of this 160 acres, just say it's a square. It's not exactly a square, but let's say it's a square. The northern half of the property are planted pine trees, about 80 acres. The remaining property is a pine hardwood mix, and the trees are anywhere, I'd say, from 12 to 15 years old. They're about 15 to 20 feet tall. I'm hunting the middle or center part of the property, but on the east side of the property, and I'm about 300 yards from the property line to the east. We have a neighbor to the east of that property, and on that piece of property to the east of us, there is a house and about three or four mobile homes on it. Well, my hunting partner, Ham, he's hunting to the southwest of me on the southwest part of the property. I'm going to guess Ham is probably 600 yards from me. So I get to this food plot that I'm hunting. I climb up in the stand. The wind is blowing in my face. It's a beautiful afternoon. Temps in the mid-60s. It's a little bit warm. Actually, it's a lot warm for deer hunting, but it was just a great afternoon to be outside, just like morning. I look at my phone, and it's 3.10 p.m., so I'm thinking, this is pretty good timing. For a turkey hunter like me who's impatient when he's deer hunting, two hours and 15 minutes until dark, that's about all I can handle in a tree stand. So I'm sitting in the stand for about 15 minutes, and I hear, boom, 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 boom. About that loud. The neighbors to the east of us are obviously pre-gaming for their Sunday barbecue. I felt like I was in seat 7, row 52, section N8 at Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa, Alabama on a football Saturday watching the LSU Tigers play the Alabama Crimson Tide and waiting on CBS to come back from one of those 30-minute commercial breaks that they seem to take in the middle of a football game. The music was very loud. I don't know what kind of a stereo system they have, but it is the bomb. So I'm not real happy at this point in time when the music's kicking. I got a little bit discouraged, but I thought, you know, this probably happens every Saturday when the weather's nice out here on this piece of property. So the deer are probably used to it, probably not going to affect them at all. So I settle back down and I start to enjoy the concert for a few minutes until I hear boom, 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 Yep, a four-wheeler with no muffler riding up and down the road about 600 yards to my north. So I'm thinking, man, what else can happen? got music kicking over here, somebody joyriding on a four-wheeler up and down the road, my hunt's ruined. Then I got to thinking, you know, shoot, this probably happens every Saturday too. I bet you the deer are used to that four-wheeler going up and down the road. So I calm back down and I start to relax again. I get ready for something to come out in the field and I hear boom, 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 if you're going to talk to someone over very loud stadium music and a four-wheeler riding up and down the road with no muffler on it, then think about it. You're likely going to have to yell at each other to carry on a conversation. That's exactly what's happening. Well, like I mentioned, I'm fairly close to the property line. 
I'm sure this happens quite a bit, so the deer are probably used to it. So I settle back down, waiting for some action, and I hear honk honk car horn starts. And I'm at the point now where I'm like, come on, man. I mean, we're piling on here again. You know, there's houses around this piece of property. These deer got to be used to this. So I'm not, just need to settle down and stay focused. I've got no control over this. And then I hear, Clank, clang, 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 clang. About 400 yards to the north of me, the loggers start up their equipment at 4.15 p.m. on opening day of gun deer season. And best I can tell, they load a truck full of logs so that they're going to be ready for the Monday morning trip to the mill. And 30 minutes later, at 4.45, they shut down the machinery and leave after carrying on a 5-10 to minute conversation loud enough for me to hear them over the music that's still bumping next door and the four-wheeler still going up and down the road and the idiot neighbor still honking the horn. So after the loggers leave at 4.45, I have about 30 or 35 minutes before it gets dark. And of course I didn't see a deer. I did see an owl who stopped by to visit for a brief minute before he got the you-know-what out of Dodge. So, after what was a quiet, relaxing, and fun Saturday morning hunt, I had a complete flip-flop hunt for my Saturday afternoon. And I am sure that the deer are used to the horn honking, the yelling, the loud music, the four-wheeler, I don't know that they're used to all of that noise and all of that activity at the same time, along with the logging trucks and the logging equipment going on. And I actually didn't kill a deer the whole weekend, but I had a great time. And in situations like my Saturday afternoon hunt, you know, you can't do anything about it except laugh. And so that's what I did. There's a lot of deer season left, and there will be a lot of opportunities to come. And I was just glad to be alive and in the woods where I'm supposed to be. So it was not a complete bust of a hunt Saturday afternoon, nor was it a complete bust of a weekend. It was a good time. I enjoyed it. And I don't have to squeeze the trigger to have a great time outdoors. And yes, just in case you were wondering, I am for hire to do sound effect noises at children's birthday parties, bar mitzvahs, New Year's Eve parties, and any other special occasion. So hey, let's talk turkey hunting on Turkey Day. I spend a great deal of my waking hours in front of a computer at work, and occasionally I get some downtime, although not too much lately, to do some research online. And I often look up hunting websites, and especially turkey hunting websites, to pass time learning all I can about turkeys and about turkey hunting. So I got to thinking that a great way to close out the turkey hunting and technology series that I've been doing is to talk about turkey hunting websites and how these sites can help us to be better hunters. And I want to feature a few of the sites that I visited over the years on the show today so that some of you guys can go check out these sites and learn all you can learn about our sport. The first site that I want to talk about is the NWTF site, National Wild Turkey Federation site. And it is nwtf.org. And the NWTF spent a lot of time and obviously a lot of money redesigning their website about nine or ten months ago. 
and there is a ton of information on this site. I am no expert on their website, but I do know someone who is. So I called her and I got her to agree to let me interview her to tell us a little bit more about the new website. And I want you guys to listen in as Cassie Scott, who is the web content specialist with the NWTF, shares some of her knowledge about the new NWTF website with us. So listen in to Cassie and see how the NWTF site can help you to have more success in the turkey woods. And I will see you on the other side. Hey everyone, I am pleased to tell you that I have on the line with me Cassie Scott, who is with the NWTF, and Cassie is, Cassie, I'm probably going to mess up your title, but you're the web content specialist, is that right? That is right. All right, I did pretty good. So Cassie is responsible for making sure that all of the great stuff that's on the NWTF website is great. Yep. And for getting it on there. And the main reason that I wanted to have Cassie on today is because you guys already know I'm a big fan and big supporter of the NWTF. And as far as websites that have great content that can help us to be better turkey hunters, I like my website, but I'm going to tell you the NWTF is going to knock the socks off of mine. So I wanted to get Cassie on the line to tell us a little bit about the new website and some things on the site that may help us to be a little bit better turkey hunters this coming season and to have more success in the turkey woods. So Cassie, how are you and where are you? Well, I am at the NWTF headquarters in Edgefield, South Carolina, and I definitely can't complain because I am wonderful. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. You, were, you were telling me before we started the call that you actually were helping to set up for a banquet that was last night. Yeah, we had the, the banquet go. We had the Edgefield banquet last night and it was a good success comparable to our previous years and we're happy with the turnout. Wonderful. That's exciting news. Well, before I start digging into the website, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you? Where are you from? That kind of fun stuff. Yeah, I grew up in the rural town of Shiaxton, Wisconsin. Um, I lived in a log cabin, and I have two brothers back in the middle. Um, (laughs) Living out in the country, I grew up around nature and had a heavily entwined lifestyle with the outdoors, which is kind of what got me involved in my career path. I started hunting when I was 12 years old, and I also liked writing, so I decided to go to the University of Wisconsin, Stephen Point, and I graduated with a degree in communications. And from there, I got an internship with Midwest Whitetail and Bill Winkie in Iowa, and I worked Mm -hmm. as the web manager there and continued to hunt and continued to write and continued to just um, develop my passion for what I was doing. And when the position for the web content specialist became open through through the National Wild Turkey Federation, I applied and was hired about a month later. Well, awesome. So you made the move from Iowa to South Carolina. Yep. The weather any better in South Carolina? It was a rough transition at first. I'm definitely used to the cold weathers, the harsh winters, and then I had to transition to the hot summers and brutal humidity. Yeah. Now, when did you move to Edgefield? I moved to Edgefield in January. Okay. All right. So you had a little bit more of a mild winter and the brutal hot summer to go through. So that was a good break-in for you. Yeah, it's been a um, a good 10 months. I really got the full spectrum. (laughs) Yeah, the humidity is pretty bad here in the southeast. There's no doubt about that. So the new website looks really good. It's very clean looking, it's easy to navigate, and the time that I have spent on there, I've noticed that 
the website really seems to kind of be broken into three different sections. There's like a section about hunting, obviously, and turkey hunting would be, I guess, probably 95, if not 98% of that. Conservation, which we all know the NWTF is huge on, and that's one of the reasons why I'm so crazy about the organization. And then the third section is about the NWTF. So what can we expect to find in each of those three sections, and what do you think are the most helpful parts of each of those sections? Well, when we were redesigning the new site, we wanted to create something based off of analytics and site traffic, and that's what we did. The three buttons that you just described on our homepage, who we are, hunt wild turkeys, and manage our property, were our top priorities when we redesigned the site. And in who we are, you can find our important history, what we've done, where we've been, and where we're going. And mm-hmm. where we're going is towards our 10-year initiative of Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt. And we have three goals for that, to conserve or enhance 4 million acres of upland wildlife habitat, to recruit 1.5 million hunters, and to open access to 500,000 acres for hunting. That initiative supports our mission. And in the section, we also have our hunting heritage program, which covers wheel enforcement, women in the outdoors, and Jake, um, which is mm-hmm. youth. And then we also have the America's Big Six Conservation Strategy. So who we are really defines our organization, and you can find everything about us in that one tab. And then the other two tabs, hunt and conservation, which also double as um, named as hunt wild turkeys and manage your property, is our article database. And that's where our turkey hunters, our volunteers, our staff, and anyone wanting to know anything more about um, tips and strategies for both of those topics can go there. We have articles on turkeys and gear and scouting and calling, decoying and recipes, and it's just a full spectrum of things that you can get when you, to learn about wild turkeys and anything you need to know about hunting them. And in the manager property section, we have conservation stories from around the nation, which is part of our America's Big Six and the Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative. We also have landowner information, planting tips, resources for habitat and wildlife management. So those, those three entryways into our site are basically everything you need to know and it what was driving our previous NWTF site and we wanted to make those things highlighted in the new NWTF site. Yeah, well, I think that idea, that plan was a great one and I think you guys have definitely achieved that with the new site. So in the Who We Are part of the site, that button, when you click that, you mentioned that the hunting heritage programs like the Jake's program, the Weedo and Wheeling Sportsman programs that are highlighted in there. Is there a place within those different sections where if someone wants to volunteer that they can find more information about volunteering? Yeah, if you click on the Hunting Heritage Program, it, it brings you to kind of a, a mini site with six different buttons on it. And this is something we developed after the website initially launched. We realized that we were lacking in the Hunting Heritage Program, and we worked diligently to come up with a solution or come up with a landing page for people looking for these three different things. So on that page, we have a button for the Jake Program, a button for the Women in the Outdoors Program, as well as the Wheel Enforcement. And each of those buttons explains the program. They also direct you to our membership page page to sign up and support the mission. And then underneath those three buttons, we have three calls to action. Three call to action. We have volunteer. Underneath our three program buttons, we have volunteer, participant, and partners. And that's for people who are described as one of those three things. You can go into one of those buttons and it gives you more information on how to become involved in the Hunting Heritage Program, either as a volunteer, as a participant, or to support the program as a partner. Okay. All right. Very cool. Well, that is helpful. I know a lot of people and especially me, are getting to that point to where 
you know, we really want to give back and get more people interested in the sport that we enjoy the most. But, and I know that these programs are not all about turkey hunting. They're about shooting sports and, you know, just mainly getting in the outdoors. And so I think that's a great way for all of us to get involved. And that's an easy way for us to figure out how we can get involved. So it's a good place to go look around. Definitely. Now, I see there's an events page as well, or an events tab on the homepage. Tell us a little bit about that page. The event page is for anyone from anywhere. They can come there and easily find an NWTF event near them. You can narrow the search by state, zip code, NWTF chapter, or event type. There's a list of buttons that you can check for banquets, hunting heritage programs, which are the, the three that we just went over, as well as calling and shooting competitions. And by narrowing your search results and then hitting find events, you can find whatever you're looking for in a quick manner. And then when the page does populate with the events that you narrowed your search down to, the contact information for the event host as well as the event address are listed. So it's very easy for you to find something in your area and contact someone if you have questions to to get involved. Yeah, I've just pulled up my zip code on here. And so I've got, uh, looks like three banquets coming up. Wow, you guys are like all the way through 2016. That's good. There's no reason to miss anything. There's a banquet August the 21st of 2016, not far from Birmingham. So that's pretty neat. Now, I also noticed a resources library on the site. What kind of information can we find in that? Well, we need the resource library because it is basically a library full of resources for our volunteers, staff, and members. And it has a plethora of information from anything you're looking for, basically. If you need a form, if you are looking for a specific type of brochure, manual, um, if you need a photo for an event or to add it into an article or something like that. We also have templates and other NWTF resources for folks to download, and they're all downloadable for free. Oh, okay. That's pretty neat. And I see there's a convention tab as well. Is there a way for us to sign up for the convention in Nashville? I've had a lot of listeners tell me that they're planning on going to the convention. What kind of information can they find there in that tab? The convention page is very comprehensive. We have a lot of information for people who are looking to attend. If you hit the attend button, you can plan your visit. There is our scheduled itinerary there, as well as link for booking your room and purchasing your event ticket. There's also information about our exhibit hall and sports show, the auctions and raffles, and the family adventure village. So if you've ever been to the convention and sports show, this site will make it very easy for you to find what you're looking for. And if you haven't been there, I invite you to look around and find something that you're interested in, and I guarantee you that you will enjoy it. Fantastic. All of you guys who are planning on going to Nashville, there's your opportunity to learn everything that you want to know and kind of plan what you want to do when you get there as far as the seminars and that kind of stuff. Are the schedules for those on the site already? Has that been planned out that far ahead? The agenda has been posted. It is under purchase tickets, and it tells you what we're doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I don't think the seminars are specifically on there, but you'll get a good grasp of what is going on throughout each day. Very good. Okay, great. Well, that sounds good. So of the whole shiny new website that's out there, what is your favorite part of the site? 
What are you most proud of? That's a tricky question because there's a lot that I can <laughs> highlight in this section. But I I really enjoy the national page. You can find it by clicking on the About in the horizontal menu bar at the top of the page, and then you use the drop-down menu to select in your area. And that brings you to our national page. And our national page has the goals for the Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative on the side outlined in three boxes. There's also a United States map, which allows you to click your state. And then when you go to your state, and I'm biased, so I usually click on Wisconsin, I find my state-specific Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt goals, state-specific news, as well as the contact information for my local NWTF representatives, including our regional directors and our regional biologists. So the national page, the page in your area, it really tells you what's going on for that state. And you can easily reach out to one of your team members and have them answer some questions that you may have. Yeah, I actually have used that a good bit on the old site because when I get ready to take a trip out of state on a turkey hunt, I will pull up the biologist for the particular state that we're planning on going to and call the biologist to ask questions about the hatch in certain parts of the state, the number of two-year-olds, what the harvest rates have been, all of that type of information those are things that I want to know before I plan a trip. And so I've called several of the NWTF biologists in different states over the years and just have been very pleased with the information that I've gotten from them and their willingness to share information and shoot just to talk turkey. Yeah, I've, so. I've met a lot of them here at the headquarters, and they're all very personable. They're all very friendly, and the, their knowledge base is just incredible. Yeah. I've also reached out to some of the directors over the areas that we're going and used them to say, okay, well, if you're looking to go to XYZ County in Wisconsin, then here are a couple of chapter presidents in those areas, and they may be able to point you to a good piece of public land or to a good outfitter or so on and so forth. So use those resources as well. They're, those people are there to help you. And I've, again, I've gotten very good response and a lot of great information from those men and women as well. Another quick so. thing that I wanted to highlight is our Hunting Heritage Center, which encompasses the Wild Turkey Center and the New Palmetto Shooting Complex and the Outdoor Education Center. And you can find that under the About tab as well. When you make your way to that page, it outlines our mission. The Palmetto Shooting Complex is the hub of our Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative, and it will be the center for excellence for conservation, hunting, and the shooting communities. The Hunting Heritage Center lives and breathes the NWTF mission, and it proves that we are dedicated to the conservation of the wild turkey and the preservation of our hunting heritage. And we are excited to welcome visitors all year round to any of these at the Hunting Heritage Center. Okay. If someone wants to come shoot, I guess there's, oh yeah, I see on here, hours of operation, rate charts, lots of good info there. So yeah, that's something that if you guys are in the area around Edgefield, I would highly recommend you check out. Or if you're taking the family to the beach this summer in South Carolina, going to be in that area, then that would be something fun to check out. It looks, from the pictures, looks like it's really, really nice. And I've seen some of the pictures in the magazine as well. So you mentioned that you're a hunter. I am. Well, this is a hunting podcast, as you already know. So just about every guest I've ever had on the show, I've asked the same question to. And I asked the question because, to me, the most fun way to learn about turkey hunting is to actually get out and do it. The second most fun way to learn about it is to learn from 
other people's successes or failures. And so that's why I almost always ask this question of my guest. Tell us the story of your most recent successful turkey hunt and one or two things that helped to make that hunt a success. I went on a mentored hunt this year. I've been turkey hunting, I want to say, for about seven years. And my dad has always been there with me, calling for me and telling me when to shoot, when to move. And his expertise really helped me get into it. But when I moved here, I didn't have him anymore. So it kind of put me in the position that you either swim or sink, right? (laughs) Well, the whole season was, I wasn't doing that well. Um, My calling wasn't that good. And I was busted a couple times. But when I went on the mentored hunt near Tillman, South Carolina. It was at the Niederhoff Forestry Center, and I was partnered Mm -hmm. with Ron Holt from the South Carolina Forestry Commission. And when we went out, he called in the bird for me, and just being with someone who who knows how to call really, really helps me learn what to do. So I took away from that experience skills that I can implement in my next hunt. But I ended up harvesting a 19-pound gobbler with a 10-inch beard. And nice. the two things that helped was there weren't there wasn't a lot of hunting pressure in the area and Ron was a good mentor. And yeah. he was calm, he was relaxed and he was a good caller and those two things made that hunt spectacular. And I've actually gone on to be a deer mentor here now at the Hunting Heritage Center. So the the rewards from that it's just like pay it forward. Every experience is a great opportunity. And every time you go out into the woods, you're learning more about your your game species as well as the tactics you need to hunt them successfully. Yeah, that's really cool. So the takeaway that I get is that the hunt where you harvested the bird, the mentored hunt that you were on, was something that you really took away a lot of information from. And you were already interested in turkey hunting, but it sounds like it's kind of sparked you and pushed you even more to do better and and to be better at it and to learn all you can learn about it. So for all of those who are listening to the show, you've heard from someone who's been on a mentored hunt who is telling you that she gained a lot from it. So take the time to volunteer and take someone else hunting and teach the sport that we love so much to others so that they can enjoy it as much as we do. (laughs) So, yeah. So Cassie's a great example. And I'm glad that I tricked you into coming on the call today. (laughs) Well, I appreciate the time that you took to run through the NWTF website with me. Well, you're welcome. And I know there's so much more to this site. And just because of time constraints, I, I just wanted to hit the highlights of the website. And I want all of the listeners of the show to go out onto the site and dig around. I really feel like that if you get into this website for more than five or 10 minutes, you're going to end up on it for a couple of hours. Yeah, we have so much great content spread all over the website. And if you're poking around here and there, you're bound to run into something that interests you in a short manner of time. Just the sheer number of articles that are on the site, whether it's about cooking turkey, killing turkeys, scouting for turkeys, cleaning turkeys, whatever it is, the sheer amount of information out there is enough to keep somebody occupied for days on end, I'm sure. So it's a very helpful website for all of us hunters out there. And I feel like there's a lot of great information that we can use to make us better at what we love doing. So and the best thing about our article database is all of the articles that we have online are short and they're geared toward people who are coming in to get the information they need back. 
So the articles are only about 300 words. I think the, the longest one we have is about 500 words. So you get good information really quick in all of these articles. Yeah. So I have a few people that listen to the show who like to write. If someone wanted to submit an article, is are you guys open to receiving articles? And if so, is there a criteria out there that has to be met for that? We are. The contribution guidelines is in our resource library. I think our editorial calendars for the 2016 year have already been satisfied, but we are always looking for things that we can insert in at any time. And if people are interested in writing, they can go to our resource library and they can also submit a request to the website under the About the NWTF at the bottom footer. There's a section that says Contact Us. You can hit that and it will take you to a form. And in the form, what can what can we help you with? Just select what you are looking for, and the question will be directed to the proper person. Good deal. Cassie, thank you again so much. I really appreciate your time today to go through this. And you never know, I may hit you up again at some random time in the future to come back on the show and maybe spend a little bit more time with us and tell us about your progress in the turkey woods. Of course. Anytime, Andy. Anytime. All right. Great. Well, thanks again. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and I look forward to talking to you again sometime soon. I appreciate that. Thank you, Andy. Bye-bye. All right. Goodbye. Okay. So I just want to say thanks to Cassie for taking time out of her schedule to come on the show and tell us a little bit more about the site. I kind of feel like the NWTS site is the premier turkey hunting website out there and I'm sure that that is what they were shooting for and if you think about it they should be the premier site. One of the things that I also like to look at on this site is the turkey hunting maps that they have that show where you can find the different subspecies of turkeys. All right so the second site that I spend some time on is the realtree.com Turkey Blog with Steve Hickoff. And for some of you guys, if you've listened to the show for a while, then the name Steve Hickoff rings a bell to you. And Steve actually been on the show a couple of times with me, and he's a great guy and a very good writer on top of that. Steve does a really good job with the Realtree.com website and putting great information about turkeys and turkey hunting on there. There's tons of great articles on the site for you to read and lots of good information ranging from scouting turkeys to hunting turkeys to decoying turkeys to what do you do after the hunt, after the kill, how do you cook turkeys, on and on and on. And Steve, as most of you know, is a big time fall turkey hunter. And so if you like to fall turkey hunt and you're looking for some fall turkey hunting tips, that might be a place you want to go check out to see if you can learn a little bit more about it. Okay, another site that I have been on before is the Old Gobbler Forum, oldgobbler.com. And it is a forum website. So you can register to get a username and password for the site and log in to the site to interact with fellow turkey hunters. You can get on this site and... You can ask questions about turkey hunting or turkeys. You can post photos and videos, and you can help other hunters out by sharing information and answering questions for them as well. This website's a great place to ask questions about products, hunting situations, and even places to hunt. It is a great resource for you to be able to get with fellow turkey hunters and really have an opportunity to pick their brain about products and things like that. So, I do want to give you a couple of words of caution about most forum websites, and the oldgobbler.com forum site is no exception. Beware of the trolls. 
trolls on a forum site are those people who come out of their holes underneath the bridge and they have nothing good to offer. They're always negative. They're always difficult. They're smart alecks with nothing helpful to contribute to a conversation. And whatever it is you're doing, you're doing it the wrong way. They're always right. You know the kind of people that I'm talking about. They seem to love forum websites. If you go there enough, you'll eventually learn who they are on oldgobbler.com and you'll start to avoid them. But one other thing about the forum sites and especially oldgobbler.com is be mindful that, you know, there are kids that use these websites and look at these websites. And so just watch your language and be polite to others. Even if you disagree with them about something, it's okay to disagree with them. There's nothing wrong with that. But be tactful and be smart. You never know who the other person is that you may be having a conversation with. And the last thing you want to do is discourage a kid from hunting or fishing or being in the outdoors. Now, and now the site administrators for Old Gobbler will actually ban you from the website if you are consistently uncivil to other members. So keep that in mind. But I do think you should go visit the site. I think you should register and participate. Talk turkey with other members. It's another good opportunity for you to learn all that you can learn about turkeys. The fourth site, powderhook.com. And that's another site that can be helpful to us turkey hunters. And instead of pretending to be the expert on this website, I got hooked up with an actual expert on the site. And I tricked this expert into coming on the show to tell us all about the site. So listen in to Eric Dinger with powderhook.com as he tells us what we can expect to find on the site and how it can help us to have more success during turkey season. And I will see you on the other side of this interview. Hey everybody, I'm glad to have on the line with me today Eric Dinger, who is the founder of Powderhook.com. And I actually met Eric at the NWTF convention back in February, and I got his card and talked to him for a few minutes and told him I'd like to have him on the show. And next thing you know, life happens, and here we are almost a year later, about nine months later, and I hit Eric up by email last week to get him on the show to tell us a little bit about powderhook.com and how it can help us to have more success in the turkey woods. And Eric quickly agreed to come on the show, and I'm appreciative of that. Eric, how are you today and where are you? Andy, I'm great. Thanks, and thanks for having me on. I'm in Lincoln, Nebraska, home of, I think, 137 different species of turkeys. we got every hybrid known to man around here. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> Yes, you do. Yeah, that's something that I want to do a little bit more of. I have not really killed very many hybrids. You know, I've been just really concentrating on getting the different subspecies and that kind of thing, kind of piling on with the Grand Slam. But I want to shoot some hybrids. I hear there's some pretty cool-looking colorations of them, that kind of thing. So that'd be cool. you're talking to the right guy. We've got them around here. Awesome. I think it's hard for us to find one that isn't a hybrid. Well, you know... I am officially an expert on Nebraska right now because on my DVR last night, I watched Aerial America, the episode on Nebraska. So I know everything there is to know about Nebraska. God sent today. Beautiful place. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's cool. And the part of Nebraska that I actually turkey hunted was in the northwest part of the state around Crawford. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of the state park up there. I can't think of it. Fort Robinson. There you go. Fort Robinson. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And killed a real nice Merriam's up there. That was my first Merriam's. Yep, there you go. That's a beautiful area, isn't it? Nobody would think of that as Nebraska, but it's kind of a cool area. 
Yeah, it really is. Well, let's talk a little bit about Powderhook. How did you come up with the idea? And, you know, I'm kind of curious. It's a cool name. How did you come up with a name for it, too? Sure. Well, thanks for asking. So Powderhook is kind of a, a life's mission for me. I grew up in South Dakota in a little town called Redfield in, north, in the northeastern part of the state. And my dad ran the uh, grain elevator in town. And so we always had great places to hunt and fish. We had a lot of family in the area. To hunt pheasants on the best hunting ground around was no big deal. Uh, I moved to Minnesota, the southeast portion of Minnesota, where we grabbed much, much heavier farms and went from hunting a lot to hunting a little bit less and quite a bit less and, and then moved down to Nebraska to go to the University of Nebraska for college and didn't know anybody in the area and went from hunting as sort of a routine part of my life to only really hunting when I went back home or traveled until I got into turkey hunting late in college. And so what happened was I started a business my senior year in college, had a nice run and grew that for about 10 years and then sold it a couple of years back now and was kind of in a position to invest the money in, in the next thing um, that I wanted to do. And, and I started to really look around for answers to my problem. You know, I, I hunt and fish as my only real passion. It's the only thing I really do for myself. I gave up golf. I don't really do anything else. If I have free time and, you know, most family events on the calendar, I, I hunt or fish. And so... I kept kind of going back to the, why is it so hard to hunt and fish? I live in Lincoln, which is a city, obviously, so there's a pretty good amount of pressure in the area, but uh, it's not a big city. It's not like I live in, you know, Manhattan, New York. You know, there's 300,000 people in our county, but we're at the most 15 minutes from a dirt road anywhere in town. So yeah. I kept coming back to, why is it so stinking hard? And maybe a lot of your listeners are probably dealing with some of that as well, where it's just, it's just never quite as easy as just I remember it as a kid. And, and so uh, I started to look around for how does a person go about finding a place to hunt? And I just kept coming up dry. There wasn't really a very good solution out there. And, and so my wife and I began to talk about, well, maybe solving the problem of helping people find places to hunt is our next thing. Maybe that's the next calling. And, yeah. and I'm, I can remember the day that we agreed that that was the thing we were going to do next, that, that we would start a business to help people try to find places to hunt and fish. I asked my wife, honey, when I say gun, what do you say? And she said, powder. And if I, and then I said, well, if I say fish, what do you say? She said, hook. And I Googled powder hook. There was nothing. I searched the Secretary of State's website and there was nothing. And five minutes later, we had a name of the company and we were off and up. Cool. <laughs> lucky, like it. lucky coincidence, I guess. Yeah. And it makes perfectly good sense. Because that's basically what you've got going on, isn't it, with the website? That's basically the purpose of the site. Yeah, I mean, the site is the byproduct of a lot of nerdy effort, I guess. Uh, we're <laughs> we're sort of a weird company when it comes to hunting and fishing. I mean, a lot of a lot of our friends in the industry think quite a bit differently than us. We're tech nerds. But we also love to hunt and fish. So everything that we do on Powderhook is technology-based. And so one of the first things we did was we built one of the most comprehensive maps ever created of places to hunt and fish. So if you go to powderhook.com today and click on map, there's roughly 700,000 places that you can hunt in all 50 states. So that was kind of step one. And, and our thought process there was really born of our mission statement. Our mission statement is access for all, which to me means that whether you can pay or not, you know, thinking back to my time as a college kid, I couldn't pay to hunt, but I was as passionate about it as a college kid as I am now. It's just I didn't have a place to go. And so Access for All has always meant to me that it's our duty as an organization to provide options for people. And for many people, public land is the best option. And in many states, public land is a great option. So yeah. that's what we did first is we built that map. And uh, that map is entirely free to use. 
either to your listeners if they're looking for a new place. We hear pretty routinely that somebody will get on our map and even right in their neck of the woods find a place that they didn't know was public hunting and be able to get out to, uh, and experience a different place. So that was kind of step one. We just launched our Powderhook app. We've branded the Powderhook app the front door to the outdoors. And so what we're trying to do is the next phase of our business is we're trying to help people get into the into the woods more often. Our, our mantra is hunting fish more often. So we want to, we've built our app to be a tool to help people, no matter what their experience level is, get out and move off. And one of the ways you do that is you need a spot. Another way you do that is you might need help figuring out what gun to use or figuring out how to, you know, set a turkey blind or where to put your decoys. So we built a, the app to be able to get those answers and get out. Mm-hmm. Very nice. And the app's available on iTunes and Google Play? Yes, sir. We just launched it last Friday. I will say oh, wow. that for many of your users, there isn't a, we've got something like 65,000 users of our website, but when you launch an app, you kind of start over at zero. So right. um, for many of your users, there won't be a lot of people in your area that have the app yet. It's still a great one to get because you will get answers to your questions. They'll just come a little slower. The premise of the app basically is you get on and, and uh, you talk to, through the app, the people who are closest to you in the woods or in the water or on the water. And so when you ask a question or make a post, the people that are closest to you, right now we have it set to the 20 people closest to you with the app, will get a push notification that says somebody near you has a question. And then when you get on and, and answer those questions, we keep track of that and award points for that. Type of so imagine that you're out on you're out in the turkey woods and, and you shoot a turkey and you can't find it. Maybe you could put a, is anybody in the area to help me track my turkey? And the 20 people closest to you, We'll get that push notification, and, and then you can share your location with them, and maybe they come help. Very cool. So, is there a possibility too that that might be helpful for somebody in an emergency situation? I think it's potentially good for emergency situations. I think it might be useful for locating other people on a parcel of public ground that maybe you don't want to walk out in front of somebody else's at. Yeah. Um, and I think most importantly, it'll be good for people who are new to an area, like I was when I moved to Nebraska, or new to the sport in general, where maybe the, the app can be sort of a mentor in your pocket. So, you know, the industry is really a buzz about needing mentors and needing you know, adults to help young people get into the outdoors. And in many ways, an app can do some of that in that, not all of it, but some of it in that what we really get when we have a mentor is we get answers. I don't know how to set up a decoy, or I don't know if I should have a head decoy, or if I need a jake, or should they be 20 yards from my blind or 30 yards from my blind, or, you know, where do I set it, you know, I'll take a picture, where do I set my decoys, you know, if, I, if you're looking at this, where would you set up? All of those are things that our technology is built to help people with, and so I think, you know, there, yes, there can be some emergency use, hopefully, uh, as more and more people adopt the app, there's also some use for um, getting into the outdoors as well, getting started. Yeah, I think those are very cool ways that the app can be used as something that I don't think is out there. So I think that you're filling a, a niche that, you know, in the mobile world that is that has been left wide open. So I think that's really good that you guys have, have put that together and that it's available for us hunters. Yeah, it's completely free. Like you said, it's in the aisle or the Apple store and the Google Play store. I just check your expectations a little bit. You know, we're a startup and sure. we have a national audience on the website, but we definitely are starting scratch with the, with the app. So, you know, if your users download it, I hope they'll help us grow it because I think in the long run, we can help a lot of people get outdoors and get started. But, uh, you know, at first when they get it, it probably won't be as useful as it will be a year from now. Right. 
Yeah. But being one of the first was kind of cool. Absolutely. And that thing's shiny new. Last Friday it was (laughs) released, and so we're three or four days off from your launch. So that's pretty pretty cool. Still got milk on its lip. What was that? I said it's still got milk on its lip. There you go. Well, you mentioned the maps and you know providing access for people who may be new to the area or, or want to discover some new public grounds around them. And you mentioned the application as well and some of the uses of that. But what are some of the other ways that Powderhook can help us to maybe have some more success this coming turkey season? Great question. Well, if you jump onto the map, you can pan around and find public ground. You can also find private ground and outfitters, those you can connect with through our site. Additionally, you can flip between aerial maps and topography maps, that kind of thing. Outside of that, we worked with NWTF at great lengths to create an app called Gobble Map. Maybe some of your users have heard of it if they're fans of the NWTF. Hmm. Gobble Map exists to help. It was kind of actually the precursor to the Powderhook app. It's designed to allow turkey hunters to help each other. And you'll kind of hear that as, as you get to know Powderhook a little bit better. You know, we're a very mission-driven company. Hunting and, and fishing, especially for me, hunting, is very much a part of who I am. And I believe that days in the woods are, are what gives me peace of mind as a person. It's what brings me back to, to my center. And I think that we live in a time right now, Andy, when a lot of people need that. I think our world is suffering from a lack of what we as outdoorsmen get to experience. You know, if you're penned up in a, and just think about your life, and you're penned up in a city or you're at work all day and you're, you know, you never see, you know, green grass and you don't get to see the sunset. After a while, you just, it starts to, at least in me, it starts to build up. I just get, you know, this weird stressy feeling that I only can get out in the woods. And so as, as hunters, I think we have a special message for the world that hunting is about, yes, it's about taking a turkey here and there, but it's also about seeing the sunrise from your turkey blind. It's about a chance to have some peace and some quiet and to be away. And all of those things, I think, are things that the world really needs. And so much of what you'll hear from Powderhook is about that. We're about trying to connect people to the way, ironically, we're a tech company that's trying to connect people to the way things were a long time ago. When the world wasn't so caught up in all the BS, frankly. Right, yeah, yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that about you needing the outdoors to bring you back to center. This has been probably two years ago. I Work was driving me crazy, was real busy, and I was stressed out. And because of the nature of what I do, I can work remotely from anywhere that has Internet access, so I'm I'm pretty flexible there. And so I was real snippy with my wife and just not in a good mood. And she looked at me and she said, you need to go get away and you need a break. And I said, I'm too busy. I can't, I just can't, not even for a day. I just cannot go away and do this. I've got to deal with work. She said, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to put up with you too much longer with your attitude like this. <laughs> yeah. So I got to think, I said, you know what? She's right. So the next day, that morning, I got up, got my computer, my laptop. I went out and I sat on my back deck, used my internet connection at the house, sat there with my pellet gun. And I shot chipmunks off of my back deck that morning. And then she came home from work for lunch and she walked in and I was still sitting back there, you know, quote unquote, working with my pellet gun beside me. And I was happy, smiling. It was a great day at work. And all it took was shooting a few chipmunks. (laughs) Right. I think it's a, it's so, a part, it's kind of, it, it's in your blood. It, like after, after you get a connection to the world around you, it's hard to not feel that. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly at, right. At Powderhook, we call that conference room B. So when conference we have, conference, room B. when we have meetings in conference room B, B stands for either boat or blind. 
There you go. So we have a meeting at conference room B. That's a good thing for everybody. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Usually good things come from those types of meetings. <laughs> yes, sir. You mentioned the private listings and the private property that you have on the Powderhook site. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit more about that and how that works. Sure. So the access for all missions, to me, means first you got to have the three places in one spot, and that's what the map was. The next part of our business plan was to work on getting private ground opened up for hunters. Not unlike maybe some of your listeners have heard of VRBO.com or Airbnb.com, what we were trying to do was to try and steer the industry away from the long-term leasing model because, you know, thinking back again to me as a college kid, I can't afford a multi-year lease. Instead, what we were trying to do was to present to farmers and ranchers a way to make money on a short-term basis, just like people do on VRBO when they rent a vacation house out. And we thought we could go to landowners and say, hey, look, I've got three guys, they want to hunt deer, they want to hunt for three days, and here's a thousand bucks, and each guy's going to pay a hundred bucks a day or something. And our theory was that, you know, landowners all over the world who wanted to make a few bucks here and there would jump at that opportunity. And I've got to tell you, you know, we're a pretty creative group of people, and we, we failed. I mean, I could opine about it for hours, but the long and short of it is uh, we could not figure out how to unlock that that, right. <laughs> that gate, if you will. You know, we got landowners here and there to participate. And we certainly got a bunch of outsiders signed up and you can find them on our website. But the long and short of it is, in order for a site like Uber or Airbnb or VRBO, some of those sites where you get on and make a reservation, you know, Expedia, Travelocity, in order for them to work, the seller or the person with the inventory, in our case, the, the farmer or rancher, needs to manage that inventory using technology. So they have to have a calendar that they manage. So in some places, boat owners, so for like charter boats and stuff, are starting to adopt a calendar where you can actually make the reservation online. Our problem was when we couldn't convince somebody that they would allow a hunter on in a short-term basis, we couldn't get them to manage the process with technology. And, you know, again, maybe that's something we didn't think of the right way to do it or Maybe there's a better way than what we figured out. But finally, after a while, we just said, you know, we're going to run ourselves out of business if we can't figure something else out. And so we stopped doing that. So, yes, there are private lands on our map on the website, but that's not a big part of what we're going to do going forward, just simply because that's a mountain maybe we can climb someday when we're in a better position as a business to really, really invest long-term in those solutions. Because that, that business is going to take years to build. Yeah, yeah. Well, you do have some outfitters listed in the private listings, don't you? Yeah, we've got, I think, 3,500 trips, trips in every state and in 27 countries. Um, but there again, you know, the outfitter community being who they are, I mean, you know, let's call it what it is. If you if you decide that you want to be a guide or an outfitter for a living, some part of the reason you do that is you don't really feel compelled to be in front of a computer or use your phone all the time. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard to blame those guys because, you know, writing their, their orders down on a piece of paper or on the calendar works just fine for them. In order for a site like ours to really work on their behalf, we have to have their inventory managed on our site so that way a, a buyer can come in and find out whether or not that person's available you know, over the period of time that they're interested that are coming. Mm -hmm. And fundamentally, we just weren't able to get that done. And I know that there's a lot of people that have tried. We tried a bunch of ways we didn't feel like had been tried. And, and I think eventually somebody will figure out how to get everybody rallied around, you know, sort of one master calendar. But for now, that's not going to be us just simply because we can't keep investing in that in the way that we did at, uh, at first. Uh, we've got to invest in things like apps where we can uh, really grow. Right. 
In many ways, it's too bad because somebody needs to get that work done. Uh, maybe it'll be us longer term, but as I said, somebody's got to have some real staying power. You got to you got to be able to work with landowners over lots of years to develop trust. You got to you know, be uh, a part of the lives of outfitters for several years in order to really build up enough trust to ask them to to do their business through your website exclusively. Yeah, you and I were talking before I started recording the call, and you were telling me some turkey hunting stories, but there were stories of your wife's successful hunts over the past couple of years that she's had, but I'm going to ask you to share the story of your most recent successful turkey hunt and one or two of the things that happened during that hunt that made it a success. Sure. Well, my last successful turkey hunt was a really cool one. The coolest one I've ever been a part of. Through years of kind of growing our business, we've grown a great relationship with the National Wild Turkey Federation. Many of their members are probably involved with that organization. And from top to bottom, it's just a really high quality group of people. Not just high quality because they invited me to go hunting, but high quality just because the people really care about what they're doing and they're just genuine great people across the board. I mean, I've met dozens and dozens of them now. We've worked with every RD in the country and just all over the place. They're good people. So that's an organization that our company has grown a great relationship with. And they invited me and my wife. Well, they invited me and I said, well, can I bring my wife, you know, in posing? Because I'm trying to get her really excited about hunting. She's got, she's had the itch a little bit until uh, we went down to Florida and we got her, we got the treble hooks in her in Florida. So, Oh, yeah. uh, so they invited me down to, and my wife down to Florida for an Osceola hunt. I had me kill an Osceola, which made me really excited, excited. And then we were going to hunt in an area where we were the only group that, uh, it was in the group that ever hunt turkey bear. So in many ways, they had this thing on a tee for us, which doesn't make it necessarily the greatest hunt. But what was really cool was they filmed the hunt for the show, which was fun. I hunted with a guy named Aaron Warbritton, who is, if not the best turkey caller I've ever heard, the guy the guy makes noises that humans shouldn't be able to make with a mouth call. <laughs> and then Scott Vance with the Turkey Federation, who himself is just an awesome person to learn from from a turkey hunting standpoint. So I've been hunting turkeys for 15 years. I didn't hunt them growing up because there was turkeys where we were from South Dakota. But had you know gotten to where I'd kill a couple of turkeys a year usually, or at least one a, a year, and so I was feeling pretty confident in my ability to call a turkey. And then I get out with these guys, and I'm like, what? I don't even, I didn't even know that turkey made the noises these guys were making. <laughs> so, right. in many ways, that that turkey hunt was cool because I, it, for the first time, I realized that there were people who were true experts at something as hyper-specialized as turkey hunting, which, of course, there are, right? But I just had never really thought about, like, how much better at it they would be than I was. And so uh, what happened was we set up on a power line. A guy named Brian Zelensky, who's a biologist down in uh, Florida, also an incredible, incredibly knowledgeable turkey guy, called in a turkey for my wife. She shot a beautiful tom on video, and then uh, we went and had some lunch and kind of did the same idea later in the afternoon. And Brian has a, a turkey uh, decoy named Jake, because it's a Jake. I suppose it's not that creative of a name, but um <laughs> so Scott Vance calls in a beautiful, just I think it's a three year old Osceola, like just a monster. It had inch and a half furs. I think his beard was nine and a half or something. Just a really, really beautiful turkey. And calls it in and instead of shooting it right away, I let it beat the crap out of the decoy. And oh, yeah. uh, Brian, a lot of people who uh, know Brian who are listening might re- might know him as BZ. That's what they call him. BZ is really proud of this really ugly turkey decoy. And this mature Tom comes in and just beats the crap out of his turkey. He had the wings ripped off. 
And I was going <laughs> to shoot him, but then the turkey started in on the, the decoy's head, and it had like a fall. It was a, it's an actual turkey mouth. It's a real yeah. decoy. But it started in on his head, and it just pecked the paint off of the, <laughs> the top of his turkey's head for five minutes, and we're over sitting in the tree giggling. Uh, laughing. It's on video. They edited out all the parts where we would be an idiot about how funny it was. But uh-huh. at any rate, so this turkey massacre occurs, and then I shot the, the most beautiful palm I can remember shooting, and uh, he'll be on my wall shortly. We'll get him back from tackling this pretty soon. But that was a really special hunt in that I learned so much. We laughed so hard because of the dang massacre that happened and yeah. <laughs> just a great group of people and a fun trip and it, it like I said it sunk the hooks into my wife pretty good because now she can't get enough of it so she's planning her own stuff now so oh, that's, that's pretty awesome. cool yeah and the lucky little period she's been out four times and she's shot three quarters of her grand slam already so she's significantly luckier than I am yeah well, some people got it and some people don't. Yeah, yes. <laughs> She's got it in the husband category, I always tell her. She's really, really got that hope. <laughs> She's luckier than she'll ever know, isn't she? Oh, yes, yeah, she is. <laughs> I'm going to play this for her just so she can deal with that. Do <laughs> <laughs> you want me to post that in there subliminally? Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, I'll edit that in there and just give that subliminal. Eric's a great husband. Clear. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every every so often throughout yeah, the interview. It, it, so. Every breath we take, you can just edit that in. <laughs> That's too funny, too funny. Well, man, I appreciate you taking time the day before Turkey Day to come on the call with us and tell us all of the great things that Powderhook can do to help us find places to hunt because we all can relate to, man, I want to go hunting, but, you know, I can't go three hours away from home and hunt for the day and come back three hours. You know, I've only got three hours total to be able to hunt, so I need to go somewhere close. Where can I go? That type of thing. So I think that we can all relate to that, and and your website and the app are certainly going to fill those voids for us. And so I thank you for putting it together, and thank you for coming on the show to tell us all about it. And I'm looking forward to seeing you again in February at the NWTF convention, and maybe you and I can break off from the show and do an hour-long interview where we actually talk some real turkey hunting and squeezing the trigger. Sounds good. I look forward to it. Yeah. I'll see you there. Sounds good, man. Eric, thank you again. I appreciate you. you. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving with the family, and we'll talk again sometime soon. All right. You too. Take care. All right. Goodbye. So I hope you enjoyed that interview with Eric and learned a little bit more about powder hook and go check out the website i'm sure that there is some information there about your state or a state close by that will help you find a new hunting spot all right the fifth site that i like of course is my site i am turkeyhunting.com my site houses every single episode of the turkey hunter podcast If you ever want to listen to an old episode and you can't find it in iTunes or Stitcher Radio or Player FM, then go to www.iamturkeyhunting.com and search for what you're looking for and it should pull right on up. Now, we are currently redesigning the site and reformatting the site so that we can make the older podcast episodes easier to find. And I'm expecting that to be completed sometime around the first of the year. So... Come back to the site early 2016 and hopefully you'll see a brand new site with information that's a lot easier to find and some new info as well. And one of these days I hope to get back to writing some blogs, but for now I'm focusing on giving you guys great turkey hunting content via podcast.
of course I'll keep you updated on the new site and once it is live I will let you know the last site that I have for you. And I've got to be honest with you about this site because you know I wouldn't do anything else. I hesitated to give you this site now, today, because I'm a perfectionist and I just don't have this site finished yet. The site will always be a work in progress, but I don't have as much content on the site as I want. And yes, the site is my site, mylongbeard.com, M-Y-L-O-N-G-B-E-A-R-D.com, mylongbeard.com. This is a site where you can get some very uniquely designed promotional products, all turkey hunting related. You can get turkey hunting t-shirts, hats, koozies, window decals, and things like that. I've got some great new designs coming to the site soon, so if you don't see anything you like now, come back and visit again soon. Like I said, there just aren't a ton of designs on there yet, but given the format of this show, I wanted to go ahead and throw it out there. Gets me out of my comfort zone a little bit too. But again, what I hope to do is to be putting up at least two or three new t-shirt designs and cap designs and koozie designs a week for the next several months. But in the meantime, go check out some of the t-shirt designs that are currently available. And why don't you buy a stocking stuffer for yourself or for your favorite turkey hunting partner. And you'll be supporting the show in the process as well. That is much appreciated. So that's all that I've got for you this week. I really appreciate you guys tuning in. We're going to get back to actually hunting turkeys next week. But I thought this would be a great time to get nerdy with you and to talk some technology. And I want to ask you before we go to please forward and share this week's episode with your friends and hunting buddies on social media. Also, if you haven't done so, leave the show a five-star rating and a review on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Did you know that the Turkey Hunter podcast will soon be found on Google Play Music as well? How about them apples? As soon as we're live on Google Play Music, I'll let you know because I'll be asking you to leave a review there as well, even if you've left a review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. One other thing I want to ask you to do. Take someone fall turkey hunting with you this coming week if your season is still in. You never know, just like what happened with Cassie Scott on her mentored hunt, that same experience in the woods may spark some interest or desire in someone else for them to give back to others. And I thought Cassie's takeaway from that mentored hunt was really, really cool. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. Subscribing will make sure that you get the most recent show automatically downloaded on your phone or tablet, and it is free. I've had a few emails over the past month from you guys wanting to know where you can find the DIY Turkey Hunt ebook. And that ebook can be purchased at www.diymerriamsturkeyhunt.com. The book has all of the information that you'll need to have an awesome do it yourself turkey hunt in North Dakota and or South Dakota on public land without the need to hire a guide or pay an outfitter. But if you want a guide to go on the hunt with you, I even tell you where you can find a list of guides who can take you hunting there on the public land for a small daily fee. Now, between you and me, I think you'd be better off keeping the money that you'd spend to pay a guide for a day or two and using that to buy your hunting buddies breakfast at the awesome breakfast joint that I tell you about in the book. And you can eat breakfast there to celebrate shooting a double or a triple like we did two different mornings on that hunt. The breakfast is incredible. I've never had anything like it before. You have to buy the book to learn about the breakfast. 
All right, in the book, I share everything you need to know about planning a hunt for Merriam's turkeys, from where to fly into, where to stay, what to bring, what to expect when you get there, where to eat, and I even show you where to hunt on a map. I do everything except call in a turkey and squeeze the trigger for you. And after all, that's really the fun part. So why would you want me to do that for you? Lastly, tune in next week for another great episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving and a wonderful week. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.